everybody, this is Mike Burkholder with Contra Costa News, a podcast for the people and businesses of Contra Costa County. I'm here with Dirk Ziegler of Ziegler Insurance. How are you, sir? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Mike. It is wonderful. I don't know if this topic is wonderful, but, uh, you know, a month ago you, you kind of brought up this idea and uh, I'm thinking insurance. Who the hell wants to listen about insurance? You basically are like, dude, read the news. I go do a little quick search. 10, 20% increases. Yeah, we're doing this podcast. So here we are with the world-class pancake flipper, because that's whenever I see you, you're flipping pancakes. It is one of the many <laughs> talents that I've, I've acquired over the years as a, as a Rotarian, for sure. What was like the prerequisite to do that, just being a dad and flipping pancakes? You know, <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of fell on my lap. I mean... Props to some people in town that got me involved with uh, with the Rotary Club and, and just giving back to the community. It's been a great thing. And, and yes, one of the many things that we do is flip pancakes and make lots of hot dogs for the local schools and charities. So. How many do you think you flipped? You know, I don't know <laughs> if I could put a number on it because, I mean, every event's different. One of the most recent events, I mean, we'll, we'll flip anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 pancakes in a, in a given morning based on the size of the event. Yeah, and I just want to give a shameless plug. You guys have an event, the Sweetheart 5K Run and Walk. Yep, that uh, is coming up. Ninth or 10th of February? It is, I think it's the, it is the, well, it's the Saturday there, so I don't have my Whatever, in it's in February. Yeah, early February. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, unfortunately, I'm gone on business meetings, but it is that Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, I think it is around the 9th or the 10th, and a uh, great event. All the money raised goes back to local community and, and um it's, it's been an event that continues to grow each year, and we truly appreciate the, um, the community's involvement and support of it. And it's February 10th. I just looked it up. Perfect. All right. To the topic at hand, um, before we get into that, a little bit of background about who you are. I know you started your own company back in 2015, Ziegler Insurance. Uh, what's your background? Yeah, thanks. So I did. I, I kind of got into this industry in a, in a strange way. Back in 2004, I had seen some other folks that uh, were in the industry and I enjoy teaching and learning and, and helping people and uh, was looking for a way to not work for a large company. I wanted to tire of the corporate world. And so, yeah, so I, I got in the insurance industry in 2004, was fully licensed, uh, worked for a direct carrier for about 10 years. And then, as you just said, in 2015, I said, you know what, I'm going to try to do this on my own and uh, basically started from scratch, my wife and I, and and have been going at it since for about the last eight years and it's been an incredible ride a, a lot of learning and as we've seen and we'll get into we are in some uh, very much unprecedented times within the insurance industry but but it is great it's it's about our goals are to educate people um, yes insurance can cost a lot of money yes you want it to be there when you when you need it of course um, but really trying to make sure people understand know what they're buying and why they're buying it and and hopefully do we do a good job of that i always look at it like the chris rock line you know if you don't use it shouldn't you get it back (laughs) well unfortunately (laughs) you might not use it but others are uh and that is the one thing i mean the definition of insurance right is it's spreading you know these these claims over large amounts of of opportunities or, or or large um uh you know taking your money in and collecting it and then paying out claims and you have to spread it out over out over all those different variables that the insurance companies carry. So yes, while you and I might not uh, put in a claim, it, it still is affecting the insurance industry as, as we'll get into later today. Yeah, I was, I always look at like health insurance is like you're paying for 10 years, nothing happens. Year 10, oh, your last 10 years are paid for because now you have a claim because you go into the emergency room, whatever, right? Something happens. Yep. So it does 
break even at some point, then you get to start all over again. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, so all right. So back in December, and this is why we're having this podcast. State Farm comes out and says auto and home insurance is increasing by twenty one and twenty percent, and that's also were they the ones that also said, "Hey, we're not doing any new claims." Well, not new claims. So you've people if they're reading the news, uh, yeah. So basically, what they're saying is, and this is State Farm. I, I don't work for State Farm, so I, I don't know all the exact statistics. But State Farm is not writing new home insurance. That's what it was. Property insurance in California. They'll still do auto and, and other things. They still have a lot of other divisions, but they're not writing home insurance in California. And there's several carriers, as as well as State Farm, that have done the same thing. They, yeah, seven of the top 10 companies paused California. Yeah. So pausing and restricting. Uh, we, we, for certain carriers for ourselves, they're coming in saying, for the first time in... 20-some years that I've been in the insurance industry, please don't write business with us this month or for the next six months. We don't want new business right now. Yeah. So the headline, again, auto insurance is increasing by 21%, home insurance by 20%. That was like December, like out of nowhere. Here they come. What kind of phone calls were you getting? Uh, (laughs) Daily. Uh, So here's what we did as an agency, and I know a lot of others did the same thing. We were seeing this transpire over the last 12, 18 months, what the insurance companies were and weren't able to do in terms of raising rates, what the Department of Insurance was doing, what natural disasters were occurring and how that was taking a toll. Um, We'll talk later about what loss ratios are for insurance companies. We're seeing their loss ratios just go through the roof. Basically, they're paying way more, paying out way more than they're bringing in. And so what we started to do is get the word out to our insureds, look, the market is hardening. You know, there's people that have been in this industry for 40, 50 years, and they're saying they've never seen anything like what we're experiencing today. So we purposely went out and we we're sending out emails and, and speaking to our insurers and saying, look, this is what's coming. This is what you're going to start seeing. The insurance companies are, are really going to start clamping down, whether it's on their inspections, uh, it's on existing business that they currently write, like your home, my home insurance. They're now coming out. I might have been with this company for five years. They're now coming out wanting to reinspect their home or your home to make sure it still fits the underwriting guidelines. And in all honesty, they're looking for reasons to not or to not renew that policy or to look to get off of it. You may have trees overhanging or whatever it might be, the condition of the home. So they're looking at that. So we were sending out emails proactively to our insured saying, you're going to be getting messages from the carrier saying they want to come out and inspect the home. You're going to get, you know, start seeing rate increases. We're preparing people. We have told them 20 to 40% rate increases are what we're expecting over the next 12 to 18 months. And, and that's why I wanted to do this because I, it's going to impact Everybody. And I don't think people are even aware of this. And I didn't even think about like trees or, you know, any of that stuff. So they're actually actively trying to get out of your business. <laughs> think of it this way. They're protecting way. themselves. I get Oh, it. absolutely. So think about it this way. An insurance company, when they write business, their goal for every dollar that they bring in, they want to pay out about 94 to 96 cents. So basically they want to make four to six cents on every dollar that they bring in. The carriers right now are averaging, I don't know what it is as of this day, but it's been close to it, about $1.15. So they're losing 15 cents on every dollar that they're bringing in. So what happens with that is they need to figure out, okay, how do we minimize our risk, right? So there's a couple ways they can do that. They can either raise rates, 
right? To, that's not mitigating risk, but that's bringing more money in because they're losing money. But they also, what they need to do is say, how can we lower our exposure? They lower their exposure by non-renewing or not going out and writing new business. So by combination of not writing business, so they don't have anything new coming in, going out and non-renewing people for lack of better reasons for whether it's trees or the condition of the home, you know, could that it be sort of like, thing. Could it be if like somebody added a trampoline or have an aggressive dog, they would cancel somebody? So the carriers now are pretty specific when you, when they underwrite new business. And so trampolines for a while was a big one that they said, if you have a trampoline, they would not write the home. Wow. We were seeing people, they basically, well, okay, we take the trampoline down and then put it back in their backyard. Does it happen? Absolutely all the time. But if something happens, they run the risk of a liability claim being denied because you had signed an application saying you do not have a trampoline. One well, just look at like with drone technology, they could hit a bunch of homes at one time and see like, hey, you said this, but it, I mean, sure. I, I mean, and it, you're right. Technology. Now you have to keep in mind there's there's the um, confidentiality and and privacy that that carriers can't just go and put a drone above your head yeah. or above your house. So typically, anytime there's an, a um, a inspection that's going to be done, they're going to go out and do a like from the front yard depending on the value of the home, when you get, we get into homes that are the dwelling, not the value, meaning what it's worth to pay, you know, what someone's going to buy the home for, but the dwelling, what it costs to rebuild that home, the structure of that home. Once it gets over $1 million, most of the insurance companies, or I almost say all, but I hate using the word all, the vast majority of insurance companies will want to do an interior inspection as well as an exterior inspection. And they are looking for things like what, what the, you know, the condition of the home are there trees overhanging the home are there cracks in the foundation you know if, if they do an inspection in the rear or in the front i mean you've seen it you go down and some some people have washing machines sitting in their front yard or boats and things like that that we don't think of as hey it's my house it's my property i can do whatever i want but then you take a step back that's also a hazard little johnny next door doesn't realize that he shouldn't be playing on the boat he comes over there and gets hurt on the boat. Well, the, the insurance company is, by law, has to defend you. And so, therefore, it may be something where you said, stay off the boat, little Johnny. He goes over and jumps on the boat and falls off and gets hurt. Little Johnny's parents are going to say, I'm, I'm suing you. you. You shouldn't have had that boat in your front yard. So those types of things people don't always think about, but those come into play. Yeah, that's, that's why the next house I get will never have a pool again. You know, pools are right now. Yeah, right now. I mean, obviously pools. Uh, if you remember 15, well, 15, a while ago, people used to put diving boards and, yeah. and sliding boards. You'll notice most pools don't have that anymore because the carriers, the insurance company, you won't be able to get insurance for it. You now, Everybody now has to have fencing. I remember I grew up on the East Coast and people had pools up and down the neighborhood. We didn't have fences. And they have to switch the way the gate opens. And yeah, and now it has to self-lock. You know, you've got to have indoor alarms inside your house. So if someone, so if a child opens a door up, it beeps. So that way they know. So there's all these things that we don't think of. There are reasons for these things from a safety perspective and that the insurance companies look at and want to see that are in place because they are on the hook from a liability standpoint to defend you do if you, something happens. Do you think that the way Sac Sacramento is creating laws and doing all these safety laws, it's scaring these insurance companies out? Because some of that stuff, laws were put in place too. Absolutely, it's a, and it's a great segue. So what we're, what has really started, not started this, but what caused a lot of the issues that we're having today started back in 1988. 
and I mentioned to you Proposition 103. That little wonderful thing. Yeah, Prop 103 came out. Um, It sounded like a great idea. It was an insurance watchdog group that was wanted to make sure that insurance companies couldn't just come in and arbitrarily raise rates and and pretty much have free reign with whatever they needed. So that all sounds great. Um, Oh, and by the way, at that point in time, they also made insurance carriers reduce rates 20%. (laughs) So they set up, you're overcharging, you're making too much money. And, and at the time, they might have been. I don't know. However, but what Proposition 103 said was, if an insurance company wants to raise their rates more than 6.9, an average of 6.9%, they had to take that request to a board and have it, or a hearing, I should say. The average hearing takes two years to be heard and approved or denied. That's efficient. So six, yeah, two years to be able to do something like that. So the first thing they said, you can't, you can't raise rates more than 6.9% without a hearing. So what's an insurance company going to do? They're only going to ask for 69 because they know they'll get that in maybe six months, nine months to 12 months so versus two years. So it's a scam. I'm not saying it's a scam. It's just, it's what the law said. So they, they, they couldn't do anything. But you have a built-in increase higher than what inflation would be. You're going to, like, screw up at some point. Well, so what also Proposition 103 did was said, when we look at rates, uh, that we cannot look at future or predictive modeling, which we all know nowadays. Uh, I think <laughs> about 1988, a lot different. Yes, AI probably existed back then, but not to the extent that it does today. But insurance companies, as of today, when they factor in your rate, they can only look backwards at what has transpired based on historical wildfires and catastrophes and things like that. They are not allowed to use predictive modeling going forward. So continue. 6.9% rate increase is all they can ask for. They can't. So like in the Bay Area when 89 earthquake hit, they, they no, no predictive model. No, going forward, no. They say <laughs> this just happened. It's been how many years since this? That's all they can base it on. So 6.9%. You can't look forward anymore to be able to, to check out, you know, what's going on or what they're, uh, uh, what the AI is telling them. And the carriers now are just, they're the point where, what do we do? Do you know what the AI is telling them right now? Uh, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert there and I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm for or against, you know, um, uh, climate change. But if you look at the statistics and look at wildfires and you look at flooding and you look at all those things, something's changed. Something's changed and, and, and it's happened. Yes. And something's <laughs> changed. Look yesterday on the news. San Diego had flash flooding from the rain they got. Yeah. My daughter lives down there. She took pictures outside of her work and there was like cars floating by. It's, it's crazy. We had those killer waves too a few weeks ago. The so flooded part of Santa Cruz or whatever. So, it's, so you have... A situation where they're, they can only increase rates. They can't look you know, forward and say, hey, this is what we want to do. And the insurance companies are stuck. They, there's nothing they can do. And you fast forward, you get up to about 2020 and COVID hits. COVID shuts the, the world down, right? Shuts us down. You look at highways, they were empty. So you had a situation where the insurance companies, our, our insurance commissioner, said, well, people aren't driving, so you need to give them a rebate, give them a refund. So most of us out there 
in auto insurance specifically, all got rebates. So they're still paying out losses from the 2017 to 2019, you know, catastrophic losses and wildfires and all that sort of stuff, the billions and billions of dollars that they paid out. But they're saying you need to give over a refund. And to say nobody was driving is completely garbage because people were still driving. They were, but obviously not at the levels that, that sure. pre-pandemic. So they comes in and says, insurance companies, you need to give everybody a rebate. They don't have a choice. So... Based on your premiums, it was a percentage, things like that. They ended up giving Buddy a, a rebate. So we got the money then, and now we're paying for it. Well, so the other thing that the commissioner did was back in 2000, he paused all rate increase requests. So he said, insurance companies, you're not allowed to raise rates at all. Now, How can you just make that decision? He's the insurance commissioner. I, I get it, but wouldn't you need to have like... I, he's at the top. He can make decisions. So what he did was people were asking for rate increases between 2020 and 2023. I don't have the specific dates. There were approximately 75 rate increase requests from various carriers in the state of California. Total. Total. None of them were being approved. So the insurance companies are paying out on these catastrophic losses. They're not allowed to raise rates. And he's saying, oh, by the way, give people refunds. I'm not protecting him by any way, any means. So you're saying what happened? This is what happened. And so you protecting the insurance carriers. So in, in now they're saying we're paying all this money. We have to give rebates and you won't give us any rate increases. So as because of that, it happened what you just said. Last year, seven of the, the 10 major carriers said, you know what? We can't keep losing money. And let me go back one thing. On Prop 103, the one thing I failed to say was the insurance companies get what's called reinsurance. What reinsurance does is, let's say I have $1 million of written premium on the books. Well, if catastrophic loss happens, I have to have $1 million basically in the bank to pay those out, right? I need to be solvent. So what happens is the insurance companies, when they collect your premiums, they take some of that money invested so it can earn some additional monies. They also take some of that money and they buy what's called reinsurance. So reinsurance are other insurance companies that basically, it's kind of like a mortgage. When you, the mortgage companies sell their mortgages to other people. It's like a derivative yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, the insurance company does the same thing. They may say, you know what, we're going to ha- keep half a million dollars of that $1 million that we have on the books there, you know, as our own risk. And then we're going to mitigate a little bit of that and we're going to off that to an, a reinsurance company. So now th- we'll pay you to be on the hook for that other half a million dollars. So I, I'm just kind of it kind of just hit me as you were explaining this in 2020 the pause happened, mm-hmm. so they didn't get the I'll just go with 6.99 right they didn't get that they didn't get the next year 6.99 oh it's not they didn't each get year the next you could ask for multiple six nines in any given year oh. it's just but that doesn't mean they're getting approved so you could go every month well typically what happens is they they would you would see cares ask for one one or two during the year time I'm not saying it got approved. But they could, they can ask for whatever they want. But that's the thing is nothing was being approved. So, so it's not just once a year. You could ask for multiple, but I can tell you, I'm, I'm again, I'm not an analyst. So I, I can say very rare was it ever more than once a year. Okay, so for, for shits and giggles, we'll just say the 6.99 they didn't get in 2020. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it in 2021. They didn't get it in 2022. That's... Almost 20% right there. Mm-hmm. But it's worse because it's not compounded either. Correct. So. 
and typically insurance carriers would ask for it every couple of years is when they were asking for rate. Because for a while there, you would see rates going down. And let me finish the, the thought on the reinsurance. The, that is one of the things that affects Proposition 103 is reinsurance costs so that cost the insurance carrier, they have to pay somebody else to take on part of that risk. Those costs have tripled over the last several years. So Prop 103, you can't raise rates more than 6.9% without a two-year a hearing. It takes two years. You can't look forward, predictive modeling, and you cannot pass on reinsurance costs to the consumer. Well, I just look with the natural disasters as well, and then the, like, Say a house burns down, right? But you had during COVID that cost of wood that just went like, yep, one hundred and thirty-three percent or something. Well, <laughs> that's the other thing that people like. Say, I'll just take Brentwood for example. They're talking about that, uh, uh, the vineyards uh, oh, auditorium thing, yeah. right? You went from eight million dollar project to now fourteen million. What happened in two years? Well, that's insanity. We'll take a step back. And I'll, an audit- I'll, I'll, I'll take it, it over to, to, to auto insurance. What has happened in the last several years? We, minimum wage requirement has gone up based on the number of employers. The employee or is able to, they, they're not as tied to any one company anymore. They, they move around. And, and, and the employers are, I say, an understanding. They're hiring people and they're paying them more money. So they're paying them more money. You think of an automobile... The cost of an automobile, if you think about four or five, six years ago, they didn't all have, you know, little sensors, like four or five sensors in every bumper, right? You know, with all the different parking, parking assist and just accident for uh, avoidance for braking and all those different things. That technology wasn't in cars that long ago. It started to, but I'm just saying in the masses. So you, you have cars that are a lot more expensive to, to fix if it go, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a claim, but there's also, they're paying the employees and people more. So you've got the cost of cars being more expensive to repair. You've got the cost of, of, of people, you know, that sort of thing. And then you had, oh, by the way, for several you know, years while the pandemic was going on, remember the supply chain? That was what you were talking about. You know, lumber went up. Well, same thing with cars. It would take you normally, you'd take it down to one of the local body shops and get your car fixed in, you know, a week, 10 days, two weeks, whatever it is. It was taking months six months to get a car fixed because they couldn't get parts from overseas. All these things add up and people don't want to admit that, but, it, but it's true. This is what's causing rates to go up it, the, and the frequency and severity has increased substantially coming out of post pandemic. So people, people are back on the roads and there's, so there's more accidents. So you compound more accidents, more people on the road taking longer to repair at higher costs and the insurance companies haven't been able to raise rates. And you say, some people say, well, my rates did go up during that period. So here's what would happen. And this is something for one way for people to look at their, their and I, I always tell them, look at their declaration page and see. Miles driven is one of the major factors for rating when it comes to your car insurance. The insurance companies right now used to once every couple of years send you a message or your agent would say, hey, you need to fill this piece of paper out and tell us how many miles you've driven in the last year. Basically show us an oil change. It'll change from now and six months ago. And that way we can kind of determine how much you're driving. Well, people just blew it off for the most part. And the insurance companies didn't do anything. They, they just, up. they just, you know, yeah, they did whatever. <laughs> and so the insurance company's like, eh, okay, whatever, you know, nothing, no harm, no foul. Well, now they're saying, well, if this is the, we can't get rate. We need to really verify how many miles you're driving a year because 
what they're doing is they're asking you to fill the paperwork out. If you don't fill it out, they will just default your miles to maybe 13, 14, 15,000 miles a year. Well, isn't Period. it simple now where you just take a photo, upload it into their systems? Yes, but you have to have a starting point too. So they're going to usually ask for like, let's see six months ago or three months ago, an oil change or something like that. So a lot of the companies, what they're doing, they're getting, they're, they're smart about this. And we're trying to, to make the consumer understand. They're saying, hey, when you first start a policy, we'll give you a 5% discount if you um, volunteer to give you, you know, basically provide the information, this information on mileage. What's funny is they're already collecting it in the background. When you go get your oil changed, they're logging that, that mileage into a system, and they can tap into that information. Mine was easy. It was four miles. So my point <laughs> is the information's already out there that the insurance carriers are collecting. They're offering you a way to get a discount, so you might as well do it. They think, well, Big Brother's watching me. Well, they already have they the already data. They are watching you. So, so you might as well get the discount. social media. They're watching you. But based, make sure that you're looking at, and we'll get into some more ways to save money, but make sure you're looking at your miles uh, on your declaration page and making sure you're filling that paperwork out because that is one of the big things that they can do to change your rates. The other thing is insurance varies. It used to be very broad. Like if I lived in Contra Costa County, these are kind of the rates in Contra Costa County. Then it went to, well, in the city or zip code, they can really now be very finite, the insurance carriers, because they have the data now to look and see. So they can look at crime rates. They can look at all the different statistics in areas. So you may say, well, my insurance here in, you know, Brentwood is different than what it might be in Pittsburgh or Antioch you know, I want to ask Oakley. you about the crime thing, because we, we have these record auto burglaries, vehicle thefts. What's been that impact? Um there are I see in Antioch, you got like 25 vehicle thefts a week. Yeah, big, uh, to the point where there are certain manufacturers' cars that the carriers won't even write now. Which cars? And I'd have to ask my wife because she does all the personal lines, and wow. I can get back to you so you can add it in. Because um, I, I think Kia would be one of them. Kia, I think Kia and Hyundai are two of them. Yeah. And so basically, it used to be um, – the Honda, a Honda Civics were the most stolen car at one point in time. Yeah. And then the Kias and the, the Hyundais now, there's something, the way they make them where people can get in to break into that's them a lot easier. So cheap. Well, and, the, and <laughs> so that's why several carriers have put a pause. They won't even touch that type of car. Well, let's say you have like a car and, and it's auto burglary after auto, like three or four within a couple of months. Like what, what do you do from an insurance standpoint? Move. Don't park it there. Um, no, what happens Will you cancel is, a policy? Or? So, yeah. So, th- th- that is a big thing right now. So, both on the home and auto. I'll, I'll start with the, ho- the auto and then I'll come back in the home. So, really what you need to look at in, when you're putting a claim in nowadays, there are people that just put in a claim after claim after claim. And you're right. After a period of time, the carriers are going to non-renew you because they're just saying it's a bad risk. We're, we're collecting X and we're paying out four and five times that because you keep putting in claims. You know, it used to be if you had one accident, two accidents, you know, they're, and they're still okay with that. But all, you get a major, you get a DUI, something like that. Most carriers now, your next renewal, you, they'll, they'll non-renew you. And then you have to go what's called a non-standard market. And non-standard markets are, are not your traditional carriers, and they're going to be a lot more expensive. And How that, much more? Uh, multiple times more. Because what's happening is you're, you're getting dinged for, you're going to what's called a surplus or a non-standard carrier. Their rates are obviously higher because they typically take on the non-standard drivers. The ones that, once you have had an accident or you've had a DUI, 
the statistics say you statistically you're going to have another. So how long does that stick with you or is it forever? Every state is different and every, every carrier looks at it a little differently, but I can tell you it's a minimum of five years. Some go out to 10. Okay. So, you know, it, that it sucks. It does. But I'm glad because I don't want anyone drinking and driving. Absolutely. Especially elected officials. But they're going to, uh, they, they are going to look at that. You know, same thing on, on the home. You know, people, we tell people, look at your home deductible. You know, the old adage of, you know, keep a low deductible, $500. So if something happens, I can put a claim in. Well, guess what? You start putting in multiple claims, you're going to be non-renewed I just don't right know now. why people would want to. Unless because so some to. people use it as a way, almost like a, a maintenance policy for their own house. You know, it's like, oh, I, I, there's a little bit here. There are some scammers out there. Well, there's some scammers out there that'll say, oh, I can get you a new roof and just say, you know, the hail damaged it or whatever. The windstorm came through and tried to get you a new roof. But point being is we try to tell people, um, to look at the deductibles they're using both in the home and auto. Home specifically, we use a $2,500 deductible. Can you do something different? Absolutely. But the reason for that, statistics say the average homeowner puts a claim in once every 10 years. So if I can take my deductible from 1000 to 2500 that says, okay, I'm on the hook for another $1,500 if something happens. Make sure I can afford that, right? But by doing so, you may save three, four, five hundred dollars $500 a year well, if I can save $400 a year over 10 years, that's that's $4,000 that I could save versus having to pay an extra $1,500. So statistics say use a higher deductible on your home. The other thing, too, is home insurance is really there for the catastrophic loss. It's not there for, you know, minor repairs. Again, I'm not saying don't put claims in, but where we are today currently with the with the the condition to the market, meaning a hard market, they're looking for reasons. If you have multiple one water claim, most carriers now one water claim, you're gone. What is the stupidest claim you've ever seen? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I can't say this is the stupidest, but it is kind of funny, but, uh, or ridiculous. I, I, well, yeah. Well, how about leaving your sunroof open and it rains pretty hard and you come out to your car and you've got four inches of rain <laughs> well, that'd have been last January. <laughs> you know, um, uh, it's sunny out now and flash rain and, and yeah, filled up the car with uh, a nice amount of, of rain. Well, it'd be like your kid in San Diego or something. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, with the flash floods. Um, yeah. I just, my, th- my advice to people is if you don't have to make a claim, don't do it just pay out of pocket. Well, cause I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but what I say is consult your agent. A lot of people think they're the bad guy. You know, we're well, you just, guys are. We're delivering the message basically from the carrier, but we're here to help. So as are all bad guys. You want our money. As an independent broker, my job, I don't work for a carrier. I work for you, technically. I'm, I'm going out looking at all the different carriers that we represent and trying to find the best opportunity that's going to meet your, your needs and cover you know what we need to cover in terms of your assets. People don't realize, I mean, your home, for most people, that's their largest asset. And so we want to make sure that we have the right coverages. So I always say, whoever your agent is, review your coverages. Make sure they're the proper coverages. Yeah. Look at your deductibles. Look at ways. There are ways to save money. And in today's day, with, with the rates going up, it's very important right now to review things with, you know, with your agent. And if you don't have one, then look for one. The best advice I ever got just back when I first started even this new site was, you know, and I was talking, trying to get advertisers. And one of the insurance guys was 
I forget who I was talking to, but he's like, if you forgot the name of your insurance guy or you haven't talked to them in five years, you need to really think about getting somebody that's going to work for you because the stuff changes, like you've said, and you could be paying more money than you have to. Well, absolutely. And, and the worst thing is pay more money and not having the coverage you think you're going to have. Yeah. As an example, just on a home policy, most people say, I'll ask, you know, first off, do you have any jewelry? Do you have any fine art, any collections, things like that? Well, yeah, I've got a stamp collection or I've got a coin collection or whatever, fine art, whatever it might be, or jewelry. Yeah, yeah, I've got my diamond ring my husband bought me. Well, what's the value of that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's really nice, $15,000. Well, do you realize your homeowner's policy only goes up to 1500 And be like, excuse me? So most home policies limit jewelry. Usually, usually it's either $1,500 or $3,500 per item up to a maximum of like thirty-five or 5000 So in other words, if you have multiple pieces, so you can add coverage in to cover that. But there are limitations on those things. So the whole point is, if I have these assets and, and I'm not reviewing my policy to make sure they're covered, I'm paying money and thinking there's coverage there. Yeah. The other thing too is people need to also check with the agents because the thing that I've, I was told a couple of years ago was like when these houses skyrocketed again, people were actually underinsured. Oh, absolutely. So as an example, when I first started writing insurance here in, in Brentwood, and this goes for all the different areas and, and it drastically changes, but I'd say it was probably, we say, what does it cost to rebuild our home? The cost per square foot. And we were probably insuring people for $200 a square foot. So in other words, if my home uh, was, for round numbers, was a, a 2,500 square foot home, I multiply that by $200. That means I should have $500,000 in, in coverage on the home for just the dwelling. And when I say dwelling, what I mean by that is, and that's the most important coverage on your homeowner's policy. The dwelling is, it'll say coverage A, or it'll say cover, or, or, or yeah, coverage A or dwelling. And that's the amount that they're going to pay to rebuild your home, the dwelling, the structure. And I say the way Physical to understand. house. Yeah. So if, if you take your house and you turn it upside down, whatever falls to the ground is your personal property. Yep. Everything else is your structure of the home. You know, everything that's attached, that's what that number is going to cover. And you want to make sure nowadays in Brentwood and the surrounding areas, we're over $300 a square foot. Yeah, because if you bought your house before 2021, you might want to get an update. Well, and, and so each and even year. And even six months ago, you might want to get an update. Well, the good, the good and bad. I mean, yeah, the cost, materials have come down a little bit, but labor has gone up. So that's sure. kind of offset that. But yes, for a while, it was like a hockey stick. Every time you turn around, the cost to rebuild was going higher and higher. So like I said, we have to look at, I mean, you go over into San Francisco and you're, you can be five, $600 a square foot, Jesus. you know, so, so Moraga, Lafayette, you know, Walnut Creek. So we, what we try to do is we, we, obviously we have networks that we can talk to. I try to talk to architecture architects. I try to talk to general contractors, you know, just, just, just what I'm seeing out in discovery Bay. But you're just a pancake flipper. Well, we try not to be. <laughs> so, I wanna, more. so I want to go through these uh, numbers again. So State Farm, 21 and 20% for uh, auto and home. Allstate, approximately 30% average rate increase. Geico, 12.8% increase. And they're requesting another 20.8%. That's nuts. So you're getting all these increases no matter who you're with. At what point do you just say, I don't even want any of that crap. I'm going to roll the dice. Are you even legally allowed to? Well, so it depends. And what I mean by depends, if you have a mortgage, you have to have insurance. 
if you fail to pay your homeowner's insurance through whatever care you have, care A, B, C, the home, the mortgage companies are going to put what's called forced insurance. They're not in the business of insurance. They don't want to be in the business of insurance. So whatever you were paying, multiply it by, by two, three, four times, and that's what you'll be paying if you get forced insurance by the mortgage company. Oh, they don't care. So, no. So, again, it's looking at what ways can, as the costs increase, how do I how do I maximize the discounts? You want to bundle your insurance. It's your home. It's your auto. It's looking at umbrella policies. If some companies even offer discounts, if you have a life insurance policy with them, making sure you have everything combined together with, with one company. It doesn't always work, and it's always not the best option, but the majority of the time, it is the best option is to bundle things together. So we, unless you have your house paid off, you better have, you're going to have insurance no matter what. Well, so here's the thing. No, when you, if you have your house paid off, technically you don't have to have insurance. Well, that's what I'm saying. So however, if you have a mortgage, if you have a mortgage, yes, but if it's paid off, no. But however, if that's your largest asset and out here, what's the average home now? A million bucks. Basically. Okay. So are you being, I don't know what the, the, the one term is to, to pinch a penny, pinch, pinch a penny. You have a million dollar ass. I had this happen. I had it happen in a, in a place in Oakley back in about 2007, 2008. Individual had a house and then he had a rental property next door. He and his dad built. I said, I'll skip his name. I said, he goes, I don't think I'm going to insure it. I don't owe any money on it. No mortgage. So I don't have to have insurance. I'm like, look, what happens? I'll use his name, Bob. Bob, what happens if that house gets us on fire? He goes, well, I don't know. It burns the ground. I said, Bob, think about this. What's that worth? It's probably worth half a million dollars. I said, so you don't, at that time, said, you don't want to spend $800 a year on home insurance or rental property insurance to protect a half a million dollar asset. Well, I didn't think about it that way. Put a policy in place. About 18 months later, it burned to the ground. <laughs> Jesus. He's still my client. <laughs> but my point is- He's your best friend now. Don't, don't, uh, yes, it's easy to say, I'll just cut that cost out. Home insurance, increase your deductible. Look at ways to bundle things together so you can maximize the discounts because if it is your biggest asset. Similarly, if you want to get into it, I'd love to talk just for a second. You know, if you have your home paid off, okay, you say, oh, I don't want insurance. I, I disagree with you because this probably is your biggest asset. But another coverage that is so extremely important is having an umbrella policy. And people say, well, what's an umbrella policy? And I'll, real quick, you think of an umbrella policy like a pyramid. The umbrella sits at the top, the policy, mm -hmm. and all your other assets or other insurance policies are scheduled underneath that. Those are pretty cheap too, right? They are. They're very inexpensive. You buy umbrella policies in increments of $1 million, one, two, three, four, five million dollars. Although, I mean, I have some that have 10, $20 million policies. And basically, so if something happens in the house, some, you have a pool, someone drowns and it's deemed your fault, they're going to come after you, obviously. Well, you, you have your liability. Well, let's just say you have your liability. Most people, de facto, they put $300,000 for liability. Increasing that to half a million on your home policy costs like six bucks a year extra. So we always increase it. But my point is at $300,000 and one, that's when they can come after you and your personal assets. This is very similar on your auto policy. People, oh, I have low, low coverages on my auto policy. We recommend 250 slash 500,000. Yes, it's a little bit more expensive than 100, 300, but anything above those numbers, those thresholds, what can they do? Well, they can come after you personally and say, what do you have in your all your savings accounts? They cannot come after qualified plans. They can't come after your 401k, but if you have a Charles Schwab or E-Trade, you know, day trading, you're doing some other stuff, they can go after those accounts. They can come after and lean, put liens, on your home. So any equity, and a lot of us have equity here in the area. 
so they can come after equity. So when you go to sell that home, they put a lien against it for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Guess what? You know, you go to sell your home, you get nothing after that. Which sucks. And the worst thing is they can garnish wages. It used to be higher. I believe it's a little bit lower now. It used to be up to 40%, but I think it's now down to 20 or 30%, somewhere in that range. But can, they can do the garnish wages for up to 10 years versus paying 150 to $300 a year for an umbrella policy. That's nuts. So there's ways to protect your assets and ways to, to look at this sort of stuff. And that's why it's so important to talk to an expert. I'm not saying I am, but I, you know, I've been around long enough. We, we, we really try to educate people. My job is to be the pessimist and tell you what can go wrong. What about, like, what's the percentage you're seeing of, like, vehicle crashes where people don't have insurance? It's gotten a lot better. So the state of California had, has changed that to where um, it used to be almost 40%. Didn't have was coverage. High? It was at one point. Now what happens is if if you if your insurance cancels, the insurance company sends notice to DMV now, so they suspend your they can they'll suspend your license until you approve until you get it exactly. So that financial responsibility of filing for that. So we know in the state of California, the state limits are fifteen thirty five. You'll see that on your paperwork, or people would. That means if you're in an accident where it's your fault, they'll pay up to $15,000 per person, up to $30,000 for the whole accident. So if you're in a car, hope it never happens, you run into somebody, you T-bone somebody, and there's multiple people in that car. Individually, you'll pay up to $15,000 for any one person. Anything over that, fifteen hundred or 15001 that's when they come after you and all your assets. 30000 for the whole accident. That's nothing. My daughter... I remember years ago when my daughter was really little, we were down at Brentwood, you know, in the, in the park at, at music in the sure. park and she fell off the play structure and she broke her arm. We had to take her to the hospital. It's $15,000. Saying, what's a car going to do to somebody? Sure. So people. And I cover a lot of car accidents. Yeah. So, I mean, and, oh, and that last number, 1535, five is property damage. So if you run into another building, you run into a car, you run into a fence, whatever, it'll pay a maximum of $5,000 of property damage. And then people say, well, I can't afford to, to go higher because they want the state minimums. I'm like going to like 50 slash 100, it raises it not that much and you're quadrupling the coverage you have. So there's, there's things you got to think about. It's like, well, I'm saving money here, but our insurance, we hope we never have to use it. Sure. Nice when it's there. But if, but, but, but if you say, well, I'm going to save a few bucks today, you have to weigh the, weigh the risks, you know, but it makes it, it so much harder with these increases understandable and you know what so i think i told you before we got on air uh, i was looking at i did a presentation yesterday and um, so i'm stealing this thunder from somebody else but they had mentioned that the average california homeowners policy is about 13 14 they'll call it 1400 a year that's it nationwide the average is just under 2800 dollars. we are 50 percent of what the national average is is that because of our insurance commissioner? Well, I think the last three years, four years has has contributed significantly to it. Because I, I look at just those 20, hypothetically a 20% increase that gets you closer. Well, yeah, six, but, think, but 16 like to $1,800. But, but like I said, that's 6.9. So the way the 6.9, if we regress a little bit, works is an average of 6.9. Sure. So certain areas they could ask for higher and others lower. So in other words, they steal from Peter to pay Paul. So as long as that average comes out to 6.9, yeah. they could say, you know, this town, we see crime statistics very high. So 
that we're actually going to raise rates 15% there. But what they'll do is they'll offset that with a decrease somewhere else where they see something different. So that's, they kind of play a shell game to, to move based on the risks. They have the ability now to look at where are the most claims coming in from. It's too much damn math. It's a lot of analytics. Um, oh, but they can't use analytics going forward right now. What about renter's insurance? Because again, I'm seeing like 12% increase for this year and then they want 20% next year. I mean, what do you, what are renters supposed to do? Well, again, bundle again, and you're right. Uh, we were seeing for a long time, we were, we were writing renter's insurance for, you, you would get $25,000 of personal property coverage plus $100,000 of liability and you pay 12 bucks a month, mm-hmm. you know, tw- whatever. I always tell people, guesstimate 15 to $20 a month, very inexpensive. Well, what's happening is you have, you have a lot of people, a lot of people are being required now to carry renter's insurance. So the frequency of claims is going up because more people That's are why. putting in claims. So uh, there's that many bad uh, landlords. Well, no, but here's the thing: <laughs> fact. My daughter lives in San Diego. Puts her work laptop on the ground, goes to bed, wakes up in the morning. There's like an inch of water in her apartment, coming from upstairs. Not her fault. She has renter's insurance. I won't even get into that because we got to deal with the company because they're trying to make her use her own renter's insurance. And we're like, why would she use her renter's insurance? You require everyone in this building to have renter's insurance. You already told us that was the tenant upstairs was not supposed to use her, their, their washing machine because there was a problem with the drain line and they still did. <laughs> so no, that claim is going to go against them upstairs. My point is renter's insurance claims, the frequency and severity is going up because, and I think I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just in experience is saying more people requiring their tenants and actually insurance companies on the landlord side, one of their questions is, do you require your tenants to carry renter's insurance? And so by doing that, I th- we're seeing a lot more people, like I said, take out renter's policies. So of course, if there's more people taking out policies, that means there's going to be more risks, which means so I just, more. Whether you more, own or rent, you can't win and you can't get around it. Well, again, you can you maximize your, your, your discounts by getting your renters with your auto, whoever that is, though th- typically renters is going to be a little bit less, but on, on average, a home and auto, when you put your home with your auto, it's typically anywhere from 15 to 20% discount, kind of a cross discount between yeah. those two policies. Renters, you might get like 8% discount with your autos, that sort of stuff. But again, it's, it's, it's a way to save money, but it's still very important. You know, again, look at your deductible. We used to put deductibles on renters insurance at a hundred bucks, Right. But now, maybe put it at five. You know, that's worth it to put in a claim. Well, yeah. So, but that's why you'll have a higher higher premium. Sure. They're inversely proportional. The lower deductible, the higher your premium, and, and vice versa. So, you know, on on renters policies, you know, we're typically where we used to be hundred to two fifty. Now we're probably using five hundred or a thousand if the person's comfortable with that. All right. Again, another way to save money. Switching gears here, I want to go to the people that are in the rural areas of Contra Costa, mm-hmm. and, and I'm speaking locally here, obviously, because it's a Contra Costa podcast. But people around Mount Diablo, people out in Byron, um, Bethel Island for a while, you had to, obviously they had to deal with all the fire insurance nonsense. But now with everything going on, it's like automatic cancellations just because it's unsafe. What do you tell those people? So what has happened, um, good and bad, with the major cares saying we're not going to write, whether it's you know, right downtown, but now, like you said, starting in those outskirt areas. More like so Marsh Creek Road area. What, what's, what happened was you have the California Fair Plan, 
right? People say, well, you know, the fair plan is a, a state run coverage that they basically can't turn you down. They, you have to take them. So if there's a, you know, fire, there's no fire stations close by, or it's in an area that's, that's wildfire prone, it's going to, um, you know, cost you a lot more money. So what's happened is you have the fair plan and the fair plan, just so people understand, if you think of the fair or yeah, the California fair plan, you really need two policies. Think of a piece of a puzzle. The California fair plan is only providing you fire for the most part, fire protection. It's not going to cover, you know, wind, hail, storm, vandalism, things like that. So you have to buy a second policy called a difference in conditions policy. And you put those two together and that basically equals a homeowner's policy. Now, the bells and whistles are a lot less versus a standard homeowner's policy, but it is coverage. What has happened is because of all the carriers leaving, the California Fair Plan now has really taken on a ton of business. It was there, supposed to be there for emergency use only. They have more business that they don't want in the California Fair Plan. The state's on the hook if something happens, right? So they they're tr- they don't want to write all this business. So what people are doing or what, what has happened is Multiple other companies, they're called non-standard carriers, they will come in. So it's gonna, not going to be your, your travelers, nationwide, you know, um, farmers, state farms. So these are what's called non-standard carriers. They do not have to abide by all the state required insurance or the state insurance requirements, but they're all A, we only use, and they're all, for the most part right now, are all A plus, you know, rated carriers. So they're not they're going to go defunct or, or insolvent but they will write in these areas. Are you going to pay more? Yeah. As an example, I have an individual that, um, you know, they came to us, they were non-renewed by one of the big names that you mentioned earlier because they had multiple water claims. No standard company will take it. So we looked at the California fair plan, but you know what? We also looked at, there are companies out there. There's one called heritage. There's one called Delos. There's one called bamboo. There's one called honeycomb. So these are other carriers. That's the thing about working with an independent broker. We have the ability to shop this around. We, I, I used to say, you know, we've got 40 or 50 carriers. You know, now we're down to, for home, you know, now we're down to about a dozen, you know, less than that. But the point is we have the knowledge and understand who the carriers are and aren't coming in. But those folks and what they're in their area, where they have the non-renewals, you need to take into account. If you're being non-renewed, do not wait until the last minute. Don't wait till like three days before you non-renew. We get that call. California Fair Plan right now, it's gotten a lot better, but it was taking two to three to four weeks to process a new policy. What are those calls like? Difficult, because there's nothing you can do with Fair Plan right now. Their, their lead times have come down drastically. Like I said, you know, we'll get some back in a couple of days versus this. So what carriers are saying is if you want a policy, they're basically, and this is on the auto side too, but for home and California Fair Plan... You, there's basically a, we are limited. We cannot bind a policy. In other words, we can't start a policy today. It's got to be a minimum of 10, 20, 30 days out. So that gives them time to underwrite it and, and issue the policy. So there are carriers that are saying, um, we just, we, we won't bind instantaneously anymore. You've got to give us 10 days. Your effective I mean, date is 10 there, days out. I mean, is there like, I just look at some of these rural areas and it's like, you're not going to be able to get any insurance. I mean, you, obviously you can. There's always a will. There's a way. But I mean, I just look at the, these million-dollar homes and the home value just tanking. So, well, it definitely affects it. We are really trying to – I think the mortgage companies and the mortgage brokers are seeing that and understanding that a little more. Uh, and I, I want to get the word out. 
and would love to talk to them anytime, the realtors need to understand this as well because they're the ones selling the home. Case in point, have a house over in San Leandro, $6 million house. The dwelling itself, the structure rebuilt is probably about $3.5 million. And then you have all their personal property. Get a call from a realtor, hey, I need help. You know, they're looking at California Fair Plan, yada, yada, yada. I go and I find a policy. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was like $20,000 a year, but they're buying a $6 million house. He sure. can, they could afford that. But he said, well, we're in contract right now. And he said he got something from the fair plan. I'm like, okay, but understand the California fair plan on personal property, on personal homes, their maximum TIV or total insured value is $3 million. So in other words, if there's a, hope it never happens to the person, if his house burns down, the dwelling, the personal property, everything combined, the maximum that policy is going to, the California fair plan as of today will pay out is $3 million. So here's a guy whose dwelling was 3.25 plus personal property of another million. So it truly, he needs about four and a half to $5 million of total insured property or value. He's only got 3 million with the California fair plan. He didn't know that. His agent broker said, I got a California fair plan. I got it. I got it. I got it. He doesn't, I sent him an email because I, the, the realtor called me in late. We were able to secure another quote for basically the same amount with all the coverages he needed. But he was so far down the line with the mortgage company that if he would change, they would have lost the rates and all that. I said, fine, close, get it funded, get it paid, all that sort of stuff. And then we're going to talk in less than 30 days. And we're going to rewrite that policy because you are severely underinsured right now. And I think that's kind of the theme for California right now in general. Underinsured. People are very underinsured and... When you need it, I mean, yes, it sucks to pay for it, but when you need it, it, it's there. It was, that was really brought forth over, you know, that period of what, 2017, 18, 19, 20, you know, that three, four year period with all the major wildfires, even, even, even the last few years, but not as bad. My point is in some of those places like paradise and things like that, they were so underinsured. It's like they could put up four walls and no roof you know, based on the amount of money they had or the amount of coverage that they had. So what was happening is people were, the insurance companies, for lack of a better word, were forcing people to really reevaluate. And you'll start seeing that you're seeing that from, and I want to clear up one misnomenclature that when it comes to mortgage companies and things like that, but you're seeing the insurance companies, the banks, the banks will send out a statement. You get everyone's while, Hey, you know, we're reviewing your loan and we think that you're underinsured. Well, keep in mind the mortgage company or the insurance company is not insuring the loan. The insurance company is insuring your home and the dwelling. So what it costs to rebuild your house versus what your mortgage are, are two separate numbers. So if your home is worth $500,000, what it's worth, say it's worth a million dollars, but it costs $600,000 or $500,000 to, you know, from the um, perspective of of your mortgage. And they're saying, well, we, we need mortgages, $700,000, you know, and the house is valued a million. You need more than what the insurance is saying or vice versa. The mortgage companies, we're not insuring the mortgage. We're only insuring what it costs to rebuild that home. So you, it, it may be less, it may be half a million to rebuild that home and your mortgage might be six or 700 grand. They're not going to pay $700,000 if there's a claim. Yeah, they're, they're only paying pay. what the house is. Yeah. And, but the mortgage companies, there was a big thing and we had to send stuff out to the mortgage companies because for a while they were getting consumers to actually increase the dwelling amount. Like you're paying for money, paying out of pocket that you don't need to be paying for. Sure. Because it's not going to cover that. That's, I mean, it's all fascinating because it's it's such a, num- uh, uh, math nerds get all this stuff. Most people are just like, oh, it's another bill. It's an increased bill. It is, but you're talking about protecting 
for the most people, their biggest asset that they have. What about the floodings in, in, in the Bay Area? I mean, how did that change everything? Or does that... Well, good and, good and bad, like, so understand... Because there's areas that never flooded that sure. flooded. Well, flood and, and earthquake are not included in the standard homeowner's policy, right? Yeah. So they're, they're separate policies. So flood has definitely changed, as well as earthquake. So as an example, here in Brentwood, there were homes along uh, Marsh Creek that runs right by Daney Center and things like that, that if you were on one side of it, you, you were technically in a flood zone. And you're on the other side, based on mapping, you weren't in a flood zone. I'm like, Aaron Brentwood. And so what happened was there were ways, there's ways that we can go in there. And so what happens is the FEMA, they hadn't updated a lot of their maps in the background. So we had to go in and almost manually help update those to, to kind of put two and two together or to sure. make sure the information was flowing back and forth to basically show that they weren't in flood zones. But has it had, has it had effect? Yeah. I mean, it, it has, you know, floods and, and earthquakes. I can say like, as an example out here in, in East County, far East County, earthquake insurance used to be a lot more expensive. CEA came through. I was getting these notices from some of my insurers that were being offered insurance in the background through the carrier for California earthquake authority for like hundred, 150 bucks a year. I'm like, this has got to be wrong. And went, we got in touch with CEA. Well, they went back and redid all their predictive modeling and said, you're right. Brentwood, the chances of having an earthquake out here versus, you know, over towards Mount Diablo. Unless you're in Ialton. Of course. <laughs> well, right. So, it, it, again, they're looking at all this predictive modeling now and seeing what's happening. And they can start looking at this thing and really hone in on what needs to be, you know, considered a true flood zone and what doesn't need to be flood zone. Same thing with earthquakes. Um, See, and yeah. I would have never like assumed all this technology and maybe I'm a little naive to it. Cause it's like, it's just something I don't pay attention to, but it's like this technology with AI, with drones, with modeling, like you really are going to get a fair amount for what you get. If you pay attention. True. So one of the other things, it's so nerdy though, it is. Well, <laughs> two things. One one of the things the insurance companies are doing in places that are wildfire risk, what's included in your policy, they're coming out. If there's a natural disaster and they foresee it coming towards a city, right, they're actually going out and putting like fire retardant all around the property or on the house. Yeah, They're paying to do that because for them to pay, and I'm, I have no other the cost, but I'm going to make it up. They're paying 10 grand a house, right, to put fire retardant on the home and then paying to clean it up if... If, if after everything's over, it's a lot cheaper than paying out the million dollar claim. Well, isn't that where the whole defensive space came exactly. into play too? And that, that is huge. Defensible space is huge. We're getting, I mean. People are can't being canceled because they don't have defensible space. There's beautiful homes and brand new neighborhoods uh, in our area. And I'll use Trilogy as an example. We have home insurance companies that won't write up in Trilogy because they're proximity, number one. Uh, and also they're looking at just that defensible space. So what we're trying to do or what we're trying to inform. The trilogy, really? Yeah. So uh, Carrie wouldn't write it. And the reason why they wouldn't write it is because they had tan bark around the perimeter of their house. <laughs> crying out loud. <laughs> it's combustible. It burns. Or decorative trees out in front. That's non-defensible space anymore. There was a, a, a um, article, not an article, but a um, newscast on uh, NBC, I think it was a couple months ago, and I actually sent it out to our insureds, but basically it was showing a house that was surrounded where they had like stone around it and cement or dirt mm -hmm. versus some that had tan bark. Well, I remember that. And how fast that one that had, you know, had def non-defensible space around it went up in, in five minutes and was toast. The other one sat there for like an hour and nothing. Defensible space 
is huge. We actually insure a company down in Southern California that's using AI and they work with PG&E and all the different power companies where they basically have a system that through satellite imagery and technology, it can detect when fires are going to happen and where they're going to go based on weather and wind and all this other stuff and all the predictive modeling. And it can send that information to the fire departments and to the power companies to start to give them an idea of what's going to happen, how or how fast it's going to happen, what direction it's going to move and how it's going to move to allow them to disperse in, in, in fire departments and the, the, the safety things that need to be done to try to minimize the impact of a fire. Well, that's that's where I appreciate what Contra Costa Fire and East Bay Regional Park District Fire are doing and a lot of that preventative stuff. Um, East Bay Parks just got some brand new, like, tree cutter thing. It's, it's amazing. Um, Confire's been doing a lot of the, the stuff on the other side of the county just to prevent some of those major fires. But it it's really just a team effort to prevent these crazy fires. It's nuts. It is. And, and you'll do one other thing you were talking about rural areas and, and even some, you know, when you look up in the mountains and in different areas, you'll hear um, some terminology called firewise communities. And that's where the fire department goes in and works with that community or that HOA and does tree trimming and, and sets the barrier where it's a hundred yards before there's, you know, dense, debris and things like that to really clear it out to give them a fighting chance when there comes time for a fire and by doing that these these uh, communities are getting discounts on their home or you know like a California fair plan they're getting breaks on I, I know it's expensive but they're but the chances of those places catching on fire or much more minimized by by creating that defensible space so you know to kind of close this out um, you know is this these rate increases, is it really just a catch-up game or is it really just politics has kind of screwed this up, the insurance commissioner, stuff out of our control, natural disaster? I mean, is it is that crazy? Just a little bit of everything. It has been a perfect storm in a negative way. It really has. If you combine the natural disasters, if you combine the lack of ability to raise rates if you combine the skyrocketing costs of material, labor, medical, we didn't really touch on that. You know, what's it cost now, you know, to go to the hospital after an accident? When you take all those things into account, and then, yes, they haven't been able to raise rates for three years, it just made it a complete disaster. So what had happened is the governor stepped in a little while ago, uh, a couple months back, and had a meeting with the Department of Insurance, uh, Commissioner Lara, and said, "This has to change. We've got to get, we've got to incentivize carriers to come back." If we and people say, "Well, the rates. Well, if we get more come in, that can stabilize the rates. If they're going to go down. They may be flat." Correct. And so what they're doing is saying, so what they said was, "Look, we have to start addressing some of these issues with Prop 103, and start allowing some of this to happen." So that's what what had happened, is the commissioner went back to the carriers and said, "Okay." Forget about the 6.9. What do you need? What's going to help you to get to you to basically break even type of thing in terms of rates? And so that's why you're seeing some of these companies asking for 20, 30, 40% rate increases. It is. Um, However, the majority of those, they're just starting to be coming out. Like I said, a lot of the new law, they can't really change 103 technically. So that, that won't even happen until the end of this year and the next year, but at least there, there's some emergency things they're doing to allow for some rate increases to help catch some of this up. Yeah. And, and I'll go back to the whole fire district before they merged with Confire and that whole 
Prop 13 and the 13 cents, 14 cents versus seven. Yeah. And that was East Contra Costa's problem because they were always underfunded, which I think is similar to this insurance problem. Um, I want to go with conspiracy real quick. Are these auto increases, is this, do you think that this really could be something to just get people out of cars and back into public transit? I, or is that even? I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I personally know. Um, I mean, again, you go to the grocery store, eggs are more, bread's more, meat through the roof, you know, that sort of stuff. All the technology that's being put in cars, you know, it, it's a lot more expensive to repair a, a BMW or Mercedes or electric vehicle for that matter, right? Electric vehicle, they're, they're basically a frame and a battery, you know, and, but there's a lot of technology that are building those things. So when they're in accidents, unfortunately, a lot of them are totaled very quickly. So it costs more to, to, to fix these things. So I don't think so. I think public transit is, is great I th- and people continue to use it. But I think there's still going to be always that need for an auto, at least for a period of time, maybe until we get, you know, these little solo planes or whatever they call them, hel- helicopter things that can take you around on your own and in your own airspace or whatever it is. Just bicycle. Bicycle and walking. Let's just, do they, maybe they want us to do that. Sure. Those electric scooters are dangerous. They're fun, though. I Hey, I'm not <laughs> going to deny that, but there's a lot of people that shouldn't even be driving them. No, uh, you're right. And, and it's just funny. But think about when we were kids. You know, you you ran, you rode a bike, you did whatever you you know, you played until the sun went down or whatever. There was no fences in yards. You rode a bike without a helmet. You did all this sort of stuff, and now it's like you got to have helmets on and all the different laws and and they and still that. get so, hurt. And they still get hurt. So, um, final thoughts. I mean, what what's kind of your best advice to keep rates down for somebody? I know you said it a couple times, but just can we hit on that? Um, sure. Give people some positive advice here, some hope. Yeah, like I said, I think the most important thing is communication. You know, communicate with your agent broker. If you don't have one, reach out to a local one. Ask your friends and family. I'm supposed to say reach out to you. Oh, <laughs> sure. I would love that. But but the fact is, reach out and, and discuss it. And one of the things that cracks me up when people ask, and I'm, I'll answer that question, but they'll ask us to quote their business. And they'll send us a copy of their, their insurance, and they'll cross out all the premiums and stuff like that. People, we don't make the rates. The rates or whatever the rates come out of the system based on the information you give us, whether it's Mercury, Travelers, Nationwide, all the different companies, Farmer, State Farm, I don't care who it is. They're the rates. Let us help you. Send over what you're doing. Because there's a lot of times where I'm going to tell you, stay with where you're at, but change this and change this and change this. That'll help save you some money on your existing policy. But the key thing is do a review. Make sure you are getting all the discounts. Make sure you're looking as a paid professional what we are is we know what to look for. You don't. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I, we do this every day. So give us the opportunity to review it for you, and we'll give you the best. Uh, hopefully, the person's going to tell you where you're at is great, or maybe make some tweaks, or guess what? We can help you. And matter of fact, we might even be able to save you money. But yeah. communicate. You know, communicate and get out there and look at it. Review, 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 review your policies. So for those that want to contact you, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. You can obviously go to our, our website at www.ziglerinsurance.com, and it's Z-E-I-G-L-E-R, so ziglerinsurance.com. Our office number is 925-634-1240, and we are licensed in California, Nevada, Texas, and Arizona. And still doing business. <laughs> and we're, we're around. We're not going anywhere. Um, call it what you want. I love what I do. I love helping people, and... and um, you know, the community, community 
pays us our paycheck and that's why we love to give back. And for everyone listening to this, you know, I know insurance can be kind of just, I don't want to say boring, but what I hope with this conversation with Dirk did is like, it's totally nerdy and interesting to me now seeing the rate increases, seeing like how they do it, what they're doing, solutions, non-start. I mean, it's completely its own world on something that appears so boring. Yeah. A lot of analysts. We don't need you till we need you. Or we don't want to talk to you till we need you. Correct. So, but, but, but that's the other thing is having an agent that knows you. And again, this is not the knock on the 800 number, but if I know you, I know you, your kids, your family, yeah. I know what your life experience, I know things about you. So therefore I can make recommendations to, to talk to you about and to at least give you, you know, again, I'm the pessimist. I have to tell you what could go wrong. If you don't want to purchase that, whatnot, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to protect your assets because you work darn hard for them. You want to protect them. It's trying to protect your ass, everybody. Pretty much. So, so with that, do me a favor, hit like, subscribe, and share, and I will see you on the next one for all the local news, contracosta.news. Take care.